Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to the brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got coming up for you this week. Coming up today, Tom will take a look at the 707s being abandoned in Germany. And with Thai Airways preparing its rescue plan, I'll take a look at what we know about its future fleet. Joe will tell us why Boeing's biggest plane is becoming its biggest headache, and I'll bring you up to speed with the UK's latest immigration developments. Finally, Tom will tell us the bizarre story of a very lucky stowaway on board a Turkish Airlines flight. So now you know what was in store, let's get on with the show. And I wanted to sort of spice it up a bit um, this week by going first, because you usually go first, Joe. Be my Um, guest, Tom. (laughs) Well, what surprised me last week was that on two separate but consecutive days, we reported that two different Lufthansa Boeing 707s were due to be scrapped. And considering these aircraft are now 60 years old and they don't fly, it just seemed like way too much coincidence that this happened on two consecutive days. But obviously, it was a coincidence. Um, So I'll start actually with the second one, which was, it's an aircraft that's already fallen into a state of disrepair in Berlin. It's parked by the side of the airport in a forest, basically. Oh dear. Uh, It's covered in like green gunk. Um, (laughs) You know, it's so bad. If you go on uh, the satellite imagery from Google and look at it, you can see it. So um, I'll be doing that later. Yeah, you should. (laughs) Um, It's on the sort of south, southwest corner, if you're looking for it. I spent a while. But as Berlin-Tegel has shut down now, it can no longer remain a home to this aircraft. So the plane is going to be scrapped and key parts are going to be taken to museums and those that aren't taken are going to be sold at auction. And given the state of this aircraft, honestly, it's not a surprise that this is being scrapped. Shame. But it is it is an interesting aircraft because it wears the Lufthansa livery and um it was never actually flown by Lufthansa. It was an XLL plane that was given to Lufthansa as a gift by Boeing to celebrate the airline's 200th aircraft delivery. Oh. But what is interesting about it is that apparently Lufthansa is now on the hook for the cost of removing it from the airfield. Oh, dear. <laughs> so It's like uh, the Trojan horse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, because I think they, they it's something like they agreed to any costs that would arise from it um, when they left it there in the first place. So um, that was from our friends at Aerotelegraph, though. So you should go and read their article if you want more on that. Because am I allowed to push people in other directions here? Yeah, I don't (laughs) see why not. They're all very loyal, simple flying readers. So, (laughs) you know, we support our friends in aviation journalism. We all need all the help we can get, to be frank. (laughs) Yeah. So So anyway, um, tell us about the other 707, Tom. Come back to us. Um, (laughs) But yeah, on the other side of Germany, there's another Lufthansa 707, and it's sitting in Hamburg, but this one isn't an imposter. It did fly for the airline. But it's also facing being scrapped and auctioned off because according to Hamburg Airport, it's just no longer viable to maintain um, the historic plane given the cost and um, all of the impacts from COVID-19. It seems, though, like while Hamburg has said this is the end for the plane, there is other people who are saying no. And an organization called, and pardon my German pronunciation, I'm still working on it, the Verein zur Rettung der Boeing 707 DABOD, uh, which translates roughly as the Association (laughs) for the Rescue of the Boeing 707 DABOD in English. So they're currently requesting a meeting with Hamburg Airport to discuss the aircraft's future. 
And they've also been talking to sort of like interested third parties, engineers, sponsors, whatnot, who would be interested in helping out. And Hamburg Airport told me that previously it was in contact with around a dozen parties for months, but no solution could be found. And it revealed that moving the aircraft would easily cost around half a million euros, which wow. has put many off the endeavor. But I'm not you know, surprised. It, it raised, I genuinely think, you know, if there was like some sort of GoFundMe or something, there's enough people interested in aviation that like any goal could be met. Because, yeah. it, it, I mean, it raises a really interesting question because not many 707s remain. And, you know, it, I, I personally feel that this aircraft should be retained for future generations because this is this is how I've, I was thinking about it. You know, if you think about Concorde, if... Um, Say Heathrow said you can't keep this Concorde here anymore. There would be no no question that would that Concorde would be taken by somebody. Somebody would give that a good home. It, would, it wouldn't be yeah. sent to scrap. So I why why this um, this historic piece is being sent to scrap is is beyond me. And you know I'm I'm really rooting for them. I'm hoping that they can save the aircraft. Put your hand in your pocket, then, Tom. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like I would happily donate a bit if if um, yeah. it was needed you know absolutely i think that's a very interesting concept but uh, hmm. be a same shame to see nothing happen to it because it has yeah. been you know it's almost been a fixture at the airport for a while for people traveling through as well so yeah exactly it's just it it baffles me that like i can understand the the sort of cost point but it, it's i i do hope that it gets saved yeah, we'll keep you guys updated. And uh, of course, if, there, yeah. if there is a GoFundMe, then I'm sure Simple <laughs> Flying will be popping a few pennies in. So, uh, mm. so I wanted to talk about an airline that we don't talk about very often on our podcast, or we haven't to date. Um, by the way, this is our one year anniversary of doing the podcast. So, uh, congrats, yeah, Tom. Episode 53. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so welcome back. And I wanted to talk a little bit about Thai Airways. Um, now, Thailand obviously has had a really bad time during COVID. It's a very tourism focused economy. Um, the last thing I read was around 20% of their GDP is from travel and tourism. So, hmm. when they had to close their borders, it really hit their flag carrier very hard. Um, they made a non-citizen ban in March completely that meant Thai Airways basically couldn't fly at all. Um, and, you know, this yeah. was the year it turned 60. This should have been a year of celebration for Thai Airways, but it really turned out to be the worst yet. And, you know, the airline's not been in the best of shape for some years. It's not just mm. COVID that's been causing problems. It's been loss making since 2017. Um, yeah. You know, it's posted I mean, loss every year since. COVID is just like the thing that's tipped many over the edge. It really has. It was the same for a number of other airlines. Hmm. Flybe springs to mind, but let's yeah, not go there. Yeah, I was there. thinking that too. <laughs> um, so they did get a $1.8 billion bailout from their government in late April, um, you know, just to kind of tide them over while they really thought about how they were going to survive. Um, but by May, there was already talk of starting bankruptcy proceedings. Um, and by the end of, the, of May, interestingly, the Thai government sold a very small stake in the airline, but a very important one because it took the government down to under 50% ownership. So it's no longer a state-owned entity or not majority state-owned, which kind of changed the way that you think about its future and its funding. Anyway, by August, hmm. it had lost almost a billion dollars and it had defaulted on $3 billion of debt. So it was hardly surprising that its official bankruptcy and approval of restructuring went ahead in September. 
Um, and since then, I, we may have mentioned some of these things on the podcast in the past, but the airline's been doing all sorts of innovative things to try and raise some cash. Um, I know they were selling cutlery at one point. They were, that's right. And their salt and pepper shakers. And uh, they opened a restaurant in Bangkok serving plain food in plain seats. Um, hmm. They've been renting out their A380 motion simulator for about $600 for an hour. Um, they've been selling bags made from old life jackets. They've been selling their champagne. It's been a case of all hands on deck to get the money back into the airline. Um, hmm. And one of its most interesting forays, I think, was back in November when 32 of its wide bodies went on sale. Um, oh, yeah, I remember that. Do you Did remember they sell that? Any? Uh, not as far as we know. Um, all of its 747s were put up for sale, 12 of the older 777s, uh, um, nine A340s, and a couple of 737s all went on sale. Um, hmm. And then in December, it followed this up with two of its A380s being offered for sale. Um, so it's really been... Good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's not a buyer's market right now, not a seller's hmm. market, should I say. Although, on that point, um, it was interesting. I was reading an interview with the guy who runs Terrell Airport, um, the tarmac uh, facility there, and he apparently mentioned that he's not had any orders for the A380s there to be dismantled, only to be stored. So I guess that's like... A little well, bit of a silver a, lining. Yeah, that's a positive bit of news. And I think mm. Qantas CEO said today that he fully sees the A380 coming back to his fleet. Yeah. So just not for the time being. Um, mm. Well, I mean, I've got my fingers crossed. <laughs> Absolutely. I think we all have, Tom. So after it was um, doing all this cash raising, there, there was a little bit of a glimmer of hope um, because Thailand offered a nine-month visa, I think if you remember in, in the autumn, for people to go and work from there for whatever they needed to do. And with half the world working at home, it sounded like a great move. But I was hmm. looking today and actually the uptake on it's been terrible. Um, there's been around 350 overseas visitors on these special visas since October. Um, that's well below the government's target of about 1,000 and just a teeny tiny fraction of the three million who were coming per month before the pandemic. Yeah. So as such, things are still rather grim for Thai Airways. Um, and today they've said that they, or the courts have said they need to submit their restructuring plan by March the 2nd at the latest. Mm. They've already asked for two extensions of 30 days. So this really is the final call for them to um, figure out how they're going to get out of this mess. And in the meantime, they revealed that some 900 pilots are going to be laid off. Um, mm. And most wow. interesting for, for me was that a large bit of its fleet won't return. So um, being an all wide body airline, obviously it's wide bodies that are going. Um, and the wide bodies for the chop include its Boeing 747s, which wasn't entirely surprising since they put them all up for sale before Christmas. Yeah. Um, we kind of knew they wouldn't be coming back. They were originally scheduled to be retired in 2024. Um, mm. But as with many other airlines around the world this has been brought forward because of the pandemic um, but more surprising was the loss of the a330 entire fleet and gasp the a380s so they've got 15 a330s and they only average about 10 years of age and some of the ones in the fleet are as young as seven um, mm. but all of them have been parked up pretty much since the start of the crisis and looking on the uh, flight trackers today three of them at least have gone down to bordeaux for deep storage and uh, Oh, okay, if, I missed that. 
Oh no, I saw that. And if you if you remember, um, that's the same location where Etihad has been sending some of its brand new A three fifty one thousands. So obviously the Etihad A three fifties are being maintained, but um, the suggestions are today that the A three thirties won't be coming back. Not just the three that have gone to Bordeaux, but the whole lot, which is a shame. Um, mm. But more heartbreaking for us, the Super Jumbo. Ty wasn't a huge operator of the A three eighty. They only had six, um, really? and they. Came to Frankfurt quite often. That Did was they? Nice. I think yeah. they're so pretty. I love their livery. Um, mm. And they've been parked up, um, most of them, four of them in Bangkok and two in Pattaya since March. Um, but yesterday's announcement suggests they won't be coming back either. Um, mm. So that's a real a bit of a shame and a bit of a loss for Thai Airways and for the world, really. Um, but it's not a complete surprise. You know, Thai does have a, a very young fleet of D- Dreamliners and A350s. It's also even been taking delivery of some 777-300ERs uh, mm. just in the recent months. There's another couple around later this year. So the new tie will be much more efficient, but it will be a lot smaller. I mean, that's a lot of seats that have gone from the fleet in, you know, one fell swoop. So uh, Mm. we should know more about what it's going to look like emerging from the crisis when the restructuring plans revealed towards the end of this month. But uh, I think we can definitely say it's going to be a little bit littler. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. So uh, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, though, if um, some British airlines also have that problem, given the trouble that UK travellers now have coming to and from. And I wanted to talk about that a bit more because... Go for it. It's been a week of announcements from the UK government. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, really, where do I start is this. Um, but let's talk hotels first. You know, as we all know, the UK government is planning to start its Australia-style quarantine. But rather than everyone, it's just going to be those arriving from the red list countries. So the government has now revealed that it has enrolled 16 hotels in the program, equating to 4,600 rooms. And the system is going to go live on Monday with passengers having to pay £1,750 for the privilege of staying in the government inn. Uh, <laughs> I worked so hard on that joke and you didn't even laugh. I'm sorry. Um, so um, It went a bit above my head. Sorry, Tom. Yeah, it's not really a joke. but um, So the government is going to start selling these hotel selling these hotel rooms on Monday uh, Thursday uh, for arrival from Monday and this is like if you're traveling if you've been to a red list country as part of travel you know like where you've usually got to show your covid test you're also going to have to show the airline that you have a booking to stay in one of these hotels and they're not and- cheap are they no, no, exactly. But um, it also includes a bus to the hotel and meals. So, Oh, bargain um, then. And security to make sure you stay in your room. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's, let's move on to the testing aspect. So two more tests are now going to be required from each passenger. So bear in mind that you have to have your test before you travel. You now also have to have a COVID-19 PCR test on days two and days eight of quarantine. And again, like the hotel rooms, these have got to be booked in advance through the portal that's opening on Thursday. Is this the same but, portal they were using for test and release that didn't work who at knows? all? <laughs> you know, I, I don't even know. But um, if either test comes back positive, the quarantine is going to be extended by 10 days. And um, then you also you do get the privilege of your test being analysed to see if you have one of the variants. Oh, lovely. That's good so, to know. Good to know. You know. What really intrigued me, though, was that the government is retaining this test-to-release system. So that means that people can leave quarantine after five days. And then that's going to mean 
four tests all in all because you've got oh. the test before you travel, the test on day two, the test on day five, and then the test on day eight. Goodness but, me. You know, I, I really have no clue why you'd still need to take the day eight test if you've been free to leave quarantine with a test after day five. But what we do know is that it's from the UK government. So we know that they've this is a well thought out plan. Oh, yes. Really thought this through thoroughly. <laughs> so sort of finally on the um, UK's uh, new immigration rules, um, I wanted to touch on their stricter enforcement. So airlines are going to be fined if they're not checking if hotels and COVID tests have been booked before travel. Oh, dear. But in terms of individual enforcement, anybody failing to take either a day two or day eight test is going to be fined a thousand pounds. Yikes. If you miss both the day two and the day eight test, the fine will be £2,000 and your quarantine gets extended to 14 days. Um, those that fail to quarantine in a hotel as required are going to be fined uh, £5,000, potentially rising to £10,000. And finally, if you're caught lying on a passenger locator form, you'll face a prison sentence of up to 10 years. Good grief. That's a bit heavy handed, isn't it? You know, yeah, so I, I thought so as well. But um, Matt Hancock said he does not apologise for the severity of these measures. So, But let me get this straight. This is only for people coming from the red list countries. No, no, no. The the hotel is only for those coming from red list countries. Okay. The, the, um, the fines and the... The testing is for everyone. And um, the sort of 5,000 fine arising to 10,000 is only if you were meant to go to a hotel and you didn't. Um, okay. But, but if you're not yeah. coming from a red list country, you never have to go to a hotel anyway. You can go no, to no, no. your friend's yeah. house so, and so isolate the, there. The the hotel fine is only for um, those from red list countries, but the, the testing fines would be for anyone. It's very complicated. It's a bit like yeah. our lockdown rules. It's like there are so many nuances to it. You're never quite sure if you're doing what you should be or not. Um, yeah. And I just don't see how they can possibly police people coming to the UK from red list countries when they may well have transited through, you know, they could have come from South Africa, but transited through somewhere that we class as safe at the moment, you know, yeah. or, or from Portugal, they could drive to France and then come to the UK. I just don't understand how this is going to be enforced. I, I, I kind of think that the threat of 10 years in prison might hopefully put um, put enough people off, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, definitely. And as as ever, I think it's all a bit too little too late. I mean, they were talking about this two weeks ago when yeah, you know, well, the I mean, South Africa variant was a real kind of worry for this country. And now, hmm. you know, people have been flowing in and out of the country for two weeks since then. So, uh, I mean, anyway. what I found telling was I was chatting to somebody in the UK earlier and they said, well, yeah, we just seem to be about a year behind the rest of the world. So We really are. You look at how some countries have handled this and it's, uh, it's like we're doing what they did this time last last year but yeah. uh, there we go there we go we're not going to have a big old rant about that because it's not aviation enough so uh, yeah. let's talk about planes shall we Tom okay tell me tell me about Boeing planes and Singapore <laughs> airlines I will because uh, can you believe it's been over a year since the first 777x flight I remember you know, it like I, it was I yesterday can at this point can you no I don't know <laughs> I, I I feel like Usually it would feel like yesterday, but just COVID has made the year drag on. And because, you know, this is this is why it doesn't feel like yesterday, because I was at the pub when it happened and I can't go to the pub now. So. <laughs> oh, fair point. Fair point. So in, in the year since the 777X took its first flight, um, things haven't been going brilliantly for Boeing. I think that mm. would be maybe a slight understatement. Um, so 
At the start of the month, Boeing confirmed that the first delivery for the type wouldn't happen until late 2023. Um, that's been kind of rumoured for a little while. And I think Emirates chief executive even said it might be longer than that. But the company yeah. confirmed it straight from the horse's mouth that that was the new target date. Um Days later, it was revealed that the plane maker actually cut its firm order backlog for the type by 118 aircraft. Um, yeah. So this is basically orders that it does have, but it thinks probably won't go through. So it's just trying to paint a realistic picture of the future of the program, I guess. Um, mm. And that left it with just 191 firm orders. And then, <laughs> literally days after this, there was another blow to the 777X program because the, the largest customer for the type was starting to get cold feet. Um, Emirates has previously said that maybe they wouldn't take all of the 777X they ordered up. So they were standing at the start of 2021 with 100 115 of the plane um, and now they're reportedly mulling swapping as many as 45 in favour of the smaller 787 Dreamliner. So mm. originally Emirates ordered 150 of these planes back in 2013 and at the time it was the single largest aircraft order by value and worth some $76 billion to Boeing. Um, yeah. But six years later they slimmed down that order by 24 aircraft, swapping them instead for 30 of the 787 Dreamliner. So it looks that they're maybe being swayed again, perhaps by the current environment. Um, so um, a, a person that kind of leaked the information from the airline said between 30 and 45 of the existing 115 could well be dropped from the order. Um, and then this week, another spanner was thrown in the works because the European Aviation Safety Agency, EASA, um, threw up some questions about the certification process. Now, this is actually really interesting if you're a bit of an av geek because Boeing at the moment is planning to certify the 777X under grandfather rights as a derivative of the 777-300ER. Now, hmm. interestingly, the 777-300ER was certified under grandfather rights of the 777-200, and that plane was certified back in 1995. So there's been no full fresh scrutiny of this product line for over 25 years. Um, this was an issue that we will remember quite painfully happened with the uh, 737 MAX. There was a lot of yeah. grandfather writing that went on with that that meant it hadn't really been looked at closely for getting on for 50 years. Um, so now EASA says that they want scrutiny that goes far beyond what would normally be required under standard derivative certification. So mm. their quote that I pulled out was, we will indeed be conducting a more in-depth review of the aircraft critical changes as part of our lessons learned from the 737 MAX. We will be mm. following a thorough process to ensure the safety of the aircraft. Um, as you know, in the past, aviation regulators have usually followed the FAA in things like certification and, and um airworthiness directives but we kind of expected this you know the disastrous turn of events involving the 737 max meant that regulators are more keen to take a bit of a lead in conducting their own certification checks um so what this could mean for the 777x is that the program could be even further delayed but that's yeah. obviously speculation at this stage and please don't sue me <laughs> but uh, you know it's certainly going to require a bit more work to bring to service than perhaps boeing was anticipating 
Nevertheless, yeah. nevertheless, the 777X programme was thrown a bit of a lifeline this week um, mm. because Singapore Airlines um, announced some aircraft deferrals, both from Boeing and Airbus. Um, and within their announcement, they noted that they're swapping 14 of their 787 Dreamliners for 11 777Xs. Um, they said this was to better align with changes in the long-term fleet demands beyond 2025. So this takes Singapore's order up to 31 Boeing 779s, which is uh, obviously good news for Boeing. And uh, I guess Singapore's thinking ahead and thinking the plane probably won't be coming until maybe 2024, 2025. And by then, Mm. hopefully, the international traffic will have picked up and it will have a a head start with a large capacity aircraft. Um, For Boeing, obviously, that takes the order book for the 777X from 191 to 202, which still isn't huge, but uh, it's better than it was at the start of the month. So Yeah, uh, I guess. All good news, I guess. <laughs> mm. Well, I wanted to um, end the podcast on good news, and I wanted to touch on the story of a Kenyan stowaway found last week in Maastricht. So the boy is thought to be 16 years old and was found on the landing gear of a Turkish Airlines cargo flight that had arrived from London Stansted. Goodness. Now, the flight, the cruise from London was only 19,000 feet for a quarter of an hour, so you haven't really got to worry about hy- hypoxia there. You know, it maybe wouldn't have been comfortable, but... Um, it's not Very like cold, flying at 32,000 feet. No. Um, but what is really interesting about this story is that we understand that Stansted Airport's fairly sure that this boy didn't board the plane in London. Um, so it raises a really interesting question of where the boy would have come from before the flight, because before arriving in Stansted, it flew from Nairobi, which is the capital of Kenya, and it's a Kenyan individual. Um, but it was via a stop in Istanbul. So given the cruise altitude of the two flights, sort of Kenya to Istanbul to Stansted, it would have been incredible if the boy survived three flights in a row. Yeah. But, I mean, that would also raise, in, raise questions about how the boy wasn't spotted en route at either of the two stops. Um, you well, you know, think but, they checked the landing gear at some point during the yeah. uh, turnaround well, I mean, process. The, the, pilots, the pilots would have done it as part of the, the pre-flight checking the landing gear. So who very knows? Very strange, um, very strange. <laughs> But, you know, like at the end of the day, I'm just glad that the story has a happy ending, given that many involving stowaways don't have good endings. No, he's all right, though, is he? Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, last I heard on um, Friday, they were planning to discharge him from hospital. But I guess he's going to go straight into um, custody of the police for either entering the country illegally or they told me they had some questions for him. I bet they've got some questions. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, how did you do that, Superman? (laughs) Yeah. They also wanted to check that it wasn't a case of um, people trafficking. So. Yeah. Oh, poor little love. Only 16 mm. as well. Well, at least he survived. Well, they wanted and, to check uh, that he was 16 as well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's a very young looking 40 year old, but uh, mm. I'm sure we'll find out more in future. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's it for today's podcast. So we do hope you enjoyed it. And as usual, welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.